Memorial May 2022 is now passed and we had another successful gathering of the Carry the Load community. Survivors continued their healing and the lives of our fallen were once again celebrated with much intentionality. Our podcast, Lessons from the Front, picks up again and we'll be releasing some new episodes very soon. And there are some good ones. In the meantime, though, I wanted to give you a glimpse into one that you'll be hearing. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know my affinity for the Marine Corps and my fellow Marines. However, that's not to say that we don't have our moments of imperfection. Retired Marine Major Fred Galvin and some of his Marines from Marine Special Operations Command Company F were at the center of one such story. In March of 2007 in northeastern Afghanistan, Galvin and his Marines faced a complex ambush, the likes of which few in the military ever experienced. Now, tactically speaking, the results of the ambush were a victory as Galvin and all of his men survived it with minimal damage while inflicting heavy enemy casualties. What ensued, however, was anything but a victory as accusations of war crimes were levied against these Marines, resulting in the longest Marine Corps trial to that point in history. Perhaps more disturbing than anything is that they soon found themselves on a political island while defending the actions that saved their lives. In some ways, it's a fight that still goes on today. On June 7, 2022, the details of this 15-year struggle are coming out in a book titled A Few Bad Men, which can be found on Amazon. The book promises to be a glaring example of how even the best of organizations are anything but perfect, a point that gets ignored regarding people nowadays too. Until the book comes out and until the full episode with Major Fred Galvin is released, I hope you find time to listen to the following excerpt. So a year later during the trial, they kept saying things in the courtroom, playing the shell game, saying, Todd, you know, is it intended to deceive these guys? They, they came up with a story, and they would say that that was in reference to the 4th of March in the ambush. Like, like there was a conspiracy. There was a cover-up. We, like, we got together our stories, and it's like, no. And, and then when we'd go to defend ourselves, you know, okay, they'd take the media all out. So the media kept hearing that there was... Uh, there, there was, was an ambush, yeah, and that yeah. we had some intentional. So they were mixing, you know, one thing with the next. You know, the media was never able to figure it out. In fact, this reporter from the Los Angeles Times that covered the trial extensively for the whole three and a half weeks, David Zacchino. Now he works for the, he worked for the L.A. Times. He works for the New York Times now. But when he was reporting for the L.A. Times through the whole trial, he said, um, at the end of the whole trial, he says, I'm paraphrasing, but. I don't actually know really what happened because the, the full details was confusing. So this book, you know, I fought for 11 years, both with who did the initial article 15 dash six is uh, the military term for the preliminary investigation that was controlled and handled by special operations command. But I fought to get that uh, declassified. There's no reason to classify it in the first place and released, which I've got the majority of that after 11 years. And even I've, I've narrowed it down. I've been requesting the last five years for just one sentence, which they've still never given me. And they're just, we're so busy. It's the Freedom of Information Act requ requires that you not basically classify anything for the purpose of saving somebody from embarrassment. It, you classify things because it's classified for national security. But this, again, is gun battle. And then we also fought and 
uh, with the convening authority for the Marines, the Marine Central Command, to get that declassified. So this book compiles all that. And when you read what happened in the courtroom, that is verbatim sworn. When you see those quotes, that's what they said under sworn testimony on the stand. And you read all this stuff, and you're like, I think the reader is going to understand that like they didn't just uh, say that, but they got away with this. All these people got promoted to four stars, and like one of them is about ready to take over all the forces in Europe. He's just nominated as Supreme Allied Commander for all of Europe. Had his hand. In, so these guys are still in circulation. Is that uh, Nicholson? No, Nicholson has retired, but this is Chris Cavoli, who is Nicholson's battalion commander. Okay. So he's a lieutenant colonel while Nicholson was a colonel. Okay. So, uh, and, and I, I do want to make sure everybody understands, the book is, is, is a few bad men, um, and there are so many details we could go into here. Can't have time, yeah. But, but there, we obviously don't have time. But I do, want, I do want to focus on what I think, and, and somehow, you know, when I've talked to you about this, I don't hear anything bitter. And I, I don't, no. you're not a bitter individual about no. this, but the, the reality from the facts that I know is that you have every reason to be. Yes. And some would argue every right to be. Um, and I, and I applaud your, your professionalism. I applaud mm-hmm. your, uh, taking a higher road in all of this and just merely yeah. wanting people to know the truth. Um, you know, certainly your truth as, as you saw it. And the one thing that I keep coming back to that keeps playing in my mind is there's 20 minutes from the time the firefight ends a five-minute firefight, so 25 minutes worth of time. Yes. When this thing was getting reported, and if I'm not mistaken, there was, it was not just a report. There was, they were using uh, video, or was it just a report? So there was no video that was used in the court. Maybe, um, maybe some B-roll that they were using yeah. or something. They used a picture that a, a non-government organizational worker who was in charge, she provided uh, that uh, photographic evidence and her own testimony uh, from Afghanistan that showed evidence of car bomb because some of the Afghans... Were Which saying, was everywhere in the yeah, country. Yes. And some of the Afghans were saying there was no car bomb. Others said that the Marines threw grenades to make it look like there was some enemy attack. I mean, their statements were completely inconsistent. So, yes, what happened in that, by the end of the trial, the end of the three and a half weeks, it was incontrovertible. I mean, facts were presented. It showed exactly what happened. It was indisputable. I mean, the the panel members all understood and and wrote a detailed executive summary, ninety nine pages of exactly what happened. And, but it, I that's what kind of was upsetting that they used these milly mouth words that the press ran on and just. So it's one thing to say you you've been exonerated. It's another thing to use. Okay, okay, hold 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 that thought because. Because that, to me, is the is kind of the next step in all of yeah. this. But the the part that that just really kind of makes me wonder how in the world. I mean, it was it was dereliction as far as okay. You mean to tell me in twenty minutes, inside of twenty minutes, yes. they were able to prepare a full news story, run it through editors, run it through fact checks, publish it. Right. Get it, get it on the teleprompter. Get it in inside the mouth of, of the reporter. Airwaves, and oh, by yeah. the way, not one of the senior folks 
who bought into this ever asked that question? And if right. they did, then they're accept. I mean, they either know nothing about the media, which I don't know anything about the media, but I've shot a video or two and I understand what goes into it. Right. It ain't happening in 20 minutes, man. No. So what was going on at that point is this is a very sophisticated level of information warfare. They employed stringers. So people with. They got played. Paid, you know, credentials from you, not U.S., but international media. Um, and the book goes into depth and it names names of media members. So because this got played on us, too, this further nailed the coffin in our grave. Um, so. As I said, and I'm going to reverse the tail of the tape back to that that micro moment at the ambush site. We got ambushed. We decided abort the mission. There's nothing here. We left. And as I mentioned, 15 minutes later, this military police came, U.S. Army military police with Afghan National Army, uh, set up you know crime scene, and they were doing their investigation. In in the bad guy place. In Bodico, the, the village where we were attacked. And... So they, so the U.S. Army, Colonel Nicholson, ordered an investigation because the Afghans were complaining that um, U.S. Marines had messed with the media, saying, you delete these photos or I'll delete you. So that's why you didn't see photographic evidence. So Army members were threatening credentialed badge carrying uh, members of the media uh, who were out there taking evidence and saying, hey, and in that Article 15-6 that Colonel Nicholson's, uh, he had a subordinate battalion that Lieutenant Colonel Chris Cavoli, his executive officer was this uh, Major Urquhart. Mm-hmm. And Major Urquhart said, uh, due to the extreme situations that the Marines had just had a complex ambush, our soldiers were allowed, were justified in using these extreme procedures in, in confiscating cameras and, and doing all this stuff. But even after that investigation was done, you know, the, the international headlines were that the Marines, they didn't say the Marines, I mean, Nicholson was such a terrible officer because he said the Marines fled. But then the media was saying that the Marines went back to cover up the evidence to, you know, to threaten the reporters and that we went back. And so that was also working. And that's, we couldn't get support from anybody because people thought that, like, not only did we kill these civilians tried to cover it up but that we went back and you know so that was in people's minds and then you have a year later during the trial these prosecutors trying to portray that you know we we were trying to cover up and you know this conspiracy and get our story straight that you know that's why so many people didn't didn't want to side with us whatsoever because you know there was this information warfare which we as americans can do when it's approved by our authorities, you know, our military authorities to do information, we can do it on the enemy. Mm-hmm. It's it's unlawful to do it against our own military soldiers and against the American people, which is what happened in that courtroom. There was an intent to maliciously deceive members of the media, which are broadcasting to the people of the United States, about what really happened. And you do that when you have witnesses in that not, I won't say the same location, but at the same time in 2007, right down the road at Duke University, they had these lacrosse players that got a little carried away. They hired this dancer, and one thing led to another, and she alleged rape. I remember, yeah. And Michael Nifong, the 
state's prosecuting attorney was debarred and punished for withholding state's evidence. Completely different case when you're talking about preppies at a lacrosse team at Duke University and Stripper versus guys who were shot at in a complex ambush in Afghanistan by the enemy, blown up, and now you're distorting the truth to the American people. But it's still there's still a lot of similarities there because you're, you know, there, there are there is the truth, and then there's the distorting of the truth, and then there is the withholding of full information for the purpose of political gain. That's why in court they say, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? 